Welcome to AI Arthritis Voices 360, the podcast solving today's most pressing issues in the AI arthritis community. We invite you all to the table, where together we face the daily challenges of autoimmune and autoinflammatory arthritis. Every Sunday, join our fellow patient co-hosts as they lead discussions in the patient community, as well as consult with stakeholders worldwide to solve the problems that matter most. Whether you are a loved one, a professional working in the field, or a person diagnosed with an AI arthritis disease, this podcast is for you. So pull up a chair and take a seat at the table. Welcome to AI Arthritis Voices 360. This is the official talk show for the International Foundation for Autoimmune and Autoinflammatory Arthritis, or AI Arthritis for short. And we are tuning in today sort of as a tour because our original talk show was designed to go around the world and report back to you, but COVID happened and so we're doing it online. But that's okay. We're still here and I'm not alone. My name is Tiffany Westrich Robertson. I am the CEO of the organization also a person living with axial spondyloarthritis. And I have two of the co-hosts, the regular co-hosts with us, who also have been going to the American College of Rheumatology scientific meeting with me for the last several days. So I'm going to turn it over to say hi to Deb and hi to Patrice. Deb, why don't you take it away and say hello to everyone? Well, hi, everybody, and it's great to have you joining us. I am Deb Constein. I am living in Wisconsin, Madison, Wisconsin area, and I have had RA since I was at the young age of 13 and have had several other comorbidities thrown in there as well. But RA is my primary diagnosis. And if you are visually seeing, you'll see that behind me, I have the simulation of a conference room during COVID. So we're, it's empty. So we're all doing this through the Zoom. And again, it's a fabulous platform to be able to do this and be able to connect with you guys. Patrice. Hi there, my name is Patrice Johnson. I live in Northern California. Originally, I was diagnosed with RA, and currently it is an undifferentiated diagnosis. And this was my first time attending ACR, and I'm happy to be along and listen and learn. And, and hopefully, I can provide some interesting comments for everybody. <laughs> great. You're and learning just, right along with everybody else. <laughs> and that, that's really a great segue into what we're doing here. And, and for those of you who can see, we're actually recording this for not only the talk show, but we have set up finally woohoo, our AI Arthritis Voices online community that works hand in hand with this talk show. We've mentioned it several times over the last several months, but it is now open for people living with our diseases and parents of juvenile patients to join. We have just started onboarding in addition to this talk show being one of the breakout groups that you can participate with on the site. We have our new go with us to conferences and this is the ACR. So we are using this and streaming it with video so that the people who have signed up to go with us to conference are actually watching this behind the scenes. So it's kind of cool. So this is a good segue. And I have a background where I'm sort of half in a conference and half 
and happened Half by. And I love it. It actually speaks to COVID. Yes. <laughs> I have a green screen and, and I couldn't get it to cover my whole backdrop. So the green screen looks like I'm at a conference, but then I'm actually sitting in my office on the other half. So I thought it was fitting, kept it that way. But anyway, I digress. So <laughs> what we're doing here and what we'd like to invite everyone who's listening is to go to AIarthritisvoices.org. You do need to type in the HTTPS But go ahead if you're a person living with these diseases and register. And we hope to be able to then invite you within a few days to join us behind the scenes. We have all of this amazing stuff that we're doing as we go to ACR. We spent how many days? It's all blurring to me. How long were we there? We were there Friday through Monday and it was getting up again bright and early for me, but I got help Patrice. She's on the West Coast and she's an early riser. I am not. So these were long days. <laughs> yeah, Patrice, you were getting up at like four or five. Four thirty-five ish because I wanted to make sure I get my shower in and, and get my coffee and uh, start with my water intake. But I was logging in early because I was just kind of, you know, going back and forth between various things on the virtual website that they provided us with because I, I, I'm trying to take it all in besides the sessions. I trying to take other things in as well. So yeah, it was just, like I said, 6 a.m. It's like, I may be up, but the brain's just not working. Right. (laughs) Well, like yesterday, for instance, Tiffany, we spent all of our time in either Google Docs or in our agenda on the ACR website that we were missing the daily news. That was the section on the homepage. But again, I mean, stay tuned because there's a whole lot more common. A lot more coming. Right. Yes. We have spent the last four days in the conference, which is virtual because of COVID, which is very interesting in itself. They said there were 24,000 or something like that that had, had tuned yes. in when we watched the in ending 110 yesterday. countries. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people accessing this conference at the same time. And we do have access to it for a few more months. So we do plan on going in. Mm-hmm. And that's part of this go with us to ACR program. If you get into our AI Arthritis Voices online community, we will give you information on some of the other hot topics, some of the other areas of research that we still can go in and look at. So you get that option to choose what would you as people living with these diseases like us to cover in addition to things that we're covering now. So we've got a whole learn and connect section. And in that we are downloading many videos of us doing research reviews. We're starting to add documents of overviews. We're uploading photos of research posters. So all of this is work in progress, but you get to be part of it. So you literally can watch and go with us and learn by talking to everyone else from around the world. So very excited. Make sure you sign up for that. And to transition into what the topic is going to be, we're going to talk about two different sessions that we attended. I attended one on Friday, and then Deb and I both attended another one on we can't, we couldn't even remember the date. Everything ran together. Sunday. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we kept looking through the Google Docs. I'm like, where is it? I know. <laughs> it's so much running together here. We've seen so much. And Patrice, while she did not attend the session with us, we thought it was a great idea to have her still on this episode to simulate all of you who are listening, who we're inviting to come with us to ACR, two conferences on our AIarthritisvoices.org site as people who didn't actually attend it. So it's a good example of how you can hear 
our download, as we disseminate what we've learned to you, you can ask questions. And so Patrice is simulating you. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> How you I love it. your voice. Oh, you I can, love it. <laughs> yeah. You can learn and connect. So this is the first time we're doing that, but we like to just do stuff out of the box and give it a shot. So, well, what is the topic we're talking about? Well, it is going to be on Stills disease. However, I want to point out that all of our diseases connect in some way. We share symptoms, we share diagnostic journeys, and this is no different. So if you hear us say, oh, well, it's Stills disease, I don't have that, still tune in because I promise you, not only will you learn about another disease similar to ours, but the challenges are going to be very similar and it all ties back to how we can learn from each other. And, and why we have all of these diseases under the umbrella of autoimmune autoinflammatory arthritis. So let's go ahead and get started. So I'm not going to outline both as separate. I'm going to sort of clump these together. So AOSD, which is adult onset stills disease, which is 16 years or older, and then systemic juvenile idiopathic arthritis, which is if you are diagnosed under the age of 16, has always been the diagnoses. Although I shouldn't say always because systemic juvenile idiopathic arthritis was once called systemic juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. And that made things even more confusing because it's not rheumatoid arthritis. And that's something that we're still working with the stigma even today. So essentially what has happened recently is because it was treated as two sort of separate entities, they are now calling it stills disease as an umbrella term, as a continuum. Interesting. Yeah. This is, I mean, it's still new to me, even after going to the system. <laughs> is there a um, crossover with even the adult onset and the juvenile? Is there a crossover in diagnoses? Are the rheumatologist struggling with that? I would think so. Oh, this is such a big issue. And this, again, is very relatable, regardless of which type of disease that you're diagnosed with. Because if you had early onset, if you had onset like you did, Deb, I mean, you had onset. How old were you? 11? 13. I was 13. 13. And they went with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, so JRA, which was back in the day, because I'm 52 now. But then I was morphing with symptoms and they went to lupus. And then they went to RA because I was actually having a lot of destruction within my joints early on. So even talking to people today, they want to say that I have JIA. You have polyarticular JIA. And I'm like, no, it's rheumatoid arthritis. I mean, people patients keep saying, well, no, that's not right. <laughs> and I'm like, I get it. I get it. I was diagnosed early back in the day. The changes in terminology. Well, that's really interesting that you just brought up that point because inside of the AI Arthritis Voices community where we have this, we do have patients that are diagnosed with Stills disease and were originally diagnosed with systemic JIA. So I will get back to your original question, but yeah. I want to just address this. Yeah. And many of them will say to you, I, as an adult, I have systemic JIA because mm -hmm. they can't say I have adult onset because they don't. Yeah. yeah. So they have, until this whole continuum of saying Stills disease, they have really had no other choice. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Like you're sort of have this choice. Oh, I can say I have rheumatoid arthritis. It has now classified as such, even though we know juvenile rheumatoid arthritis technically doesn't 
exist mm-hmm. as far because there's no JRA now. Right. It's systemic or it's it's right. not, which is regular JIA. And I'm sorry if that if that's confusing, you can. <laughs> We're sorry about that. There is a juvenile idiopathic arthritis, and that is what essentially Deb was diagnosed with, Mm -hmm. formerly called juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. Mm -hmm. And then you have systemic JIA, formerly called systemic juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. And the difference is the systemic part. So there's more organ involvement in the very beginning when it's systemic. So you're talking about the lymph nodes, the spleen, the liver, the heart, all of that, it could be a, a first symptom. Mm-hmm. And so that's where that difference lies. Right. To go back to the crossover, Still's disease is considered rare and it has historically been very difficult to get a diagnosis. I have had so many people living with stills tell me they go to the hospital or they're at the a new doctor or a specialist and they sit there and watch them Google their disease because they don't know what it is. And that alone is just simply unacceptable. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons we have made a huge effort in 2020, and we will continue this moving forward mm-hmm. in a called My Stills campaign. And it's really aimed at bringing more education and awareness to expedite detection and diagnosis. And one of the problems is a lot of patients you talk to, which again, similar to our diseases, will say, well, I was diagnosed at age 16 or 17 or 18, but I remember having symptoms when I was a little kid. I hear that all the time, a lot, all mm-hmm. the time. And so that in itself is another reason why this continuum term now of Stills disease is much more appropriate because a patient then, regardless if they're diagnosed yeah. at 14 or they're diagnosed at 21, at least falls under the same umbrella. And what's happened is essentially research has shown that they are the same disease. There are a couple that we saw in the presentation, Mm -hmm. a couple different manifestations that might be slightly more visible or more accurate when it comes to a juvenile versus an adult onset. But for the most part, the pathology, the the way that the the disease expresses itself and presents and is treated is the same. Okay. Now, another reason that's really good is because recently we saw this at ULAR Mm -hmm. in June of 2020, is that the European Medicines Agency, Mm -hmm. which is the regulatory agency similar to the United States, the Food and Drug Administration or the FDA, Mm -hmm. they have recognized stills in the coding. And it says under adult onset in that juvenile system or systemic JIA fall under that. And what that does in the regulatory is it allows somebody diagnosed with one or the other to use approved treatments. So that is really important because Mm -hmm. if a trial only was tested in, let's say, adult onset, adults, which often trials are usually tested in adults, you don't get as many juvenile clinical trials as adults. Mm -hmm. So then having something that was tested and approved in adult onset, if it's coded correctly and it's identified as the same disease, that tremendously can help with the juvenile because it can cross over. So that in itself is really important. I wanted to ask before, because I've been talking a lot, Patrice, do you have any questions? (laughs) So you were saying that stills is a rare disease. 
Mm-hmm. Do we have any statistics on, I mean, we all know that 54 Americans have some form of arthritis, but is there some sort of statistics on how many are categorized in the stills? There are, and you caught me off <laughs> Sorry. guard and I don't know them off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's switch That's gears. So when you had mentioned that stills patients have reported going to their doctor and the doctor is there Googling their disease. How disturbing. I agreed. I mean, if my doctor was doing that and not talking off the cuff, I think I'd walk out. <laughs> I actually have walked out of one doctor appointment for a different reason. But oh, wow. yeah, I actually absolutely did. The doctor was asking me to become part of a clinical try and I went home and talked to my husband. I was doing really well on my therapy. In talking to my husband, we both decided, why buck the system? If things are working, why would I want to try to you know, jumble yeah. things up? And the doctor told me that my husband must not love me enough to allow me to... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I did walk out of that appointment because I was like, yeah, you're not for me. (laughs) Um, But yeah, one thing. Yeah. But I mean, as far as this disease goes, I mean, as far as the symptoms go, it's I know that there's sore throat and I know that there's fevers. The fevers are huge. But as far as inflammation in the joints, can you describe that? I guess I know that it's very systemic, Mm -hmm. but that was one of the biggest parts about this particular presentation. Yeah. That I was a little caught off guard, to be honest. And I submitted a question and it was answered, which made me really excited because we were able to put questions in the chat. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the presentation, which was a video, the actual speakers were there and then they would be able to answer. And you never know which ones they're going to pick. And and mine was related to something that Deb just said. So let me backtrack by saying as far as the symptoms. So first, I think it's important to point out that in addition to being rare, stills is an auto inflammatory Mm -hmm. disease. Mm. And we've said this before, but it's important to re-mention this. And we will also make sure that you can go back to one of our early episodes of the talk show. We talked specifically with Dr. Apostolos Concias about the differences. So you can learn more about that. We'll provide links too. But essentially, there's two parts of the immune system. And autoimmune diseases are from the adapt, the adaptable part. So you have to have some kind of environmental trigger in addition to the genetic predisposition Mm -hmm. to make it trigger to go. Now, in an eight, the innate part is the auto-inflammatory. So there is no known trigger. And often it could be infection, it could be a genetic mutation, but essentially it's not necessarily environmental. So when the innate happens, it brings on more systemic. It brings on these kind of classic symptoms, high fevers. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you have autoimmune, it tends to be low grade fevers. Rashes are very common in auto-inflammatory. And so when you see those two together, high fever and rash, the problem is that they often mimic an infection. Patients are, and they talked about this in the presentation, they're given antibiotics. Right, right. I remember that. Right. What's really bad is when they're given steroids because then their lab levels come down And it actually can cause a longer delay in diagnosis Mm -hmm. because their labs aren't as elevated. Anyway, they talked about this in both presentations. They said the triad. So they said rash, high fever, and arthritis. 
And the arthritis is the same as our type of arthritis because it's inflammatory. So it's the same type. Now there are different places they, they will say, they talked, I think about the ankles often in children. I think they talked about the wrists more in adult onset. However, we did a study, the early symptoms of AI arthritis in 2013. I do have to go back and reference it, but adult onset was included in there. And I have to look, I don't think it was that specific to a certain place. I I feel like it was, it was because it can be anywhere in the body, but here's where the clincher is. And here's where my question had come in. So if you talk to stills patients, many of them get very upset, which is not uncommon with the word arthritis. (laughs) And we have a whole episode called the A word that you can, you can link to. Me too. Yeah. And (laughs) so, and we'd love to hear your, your comments about that one. But the thing about stills is that, and especially when you think it used to be the juvenile was called juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, then you've got, now it's still JIA. Mm -hmm. And so clearly it's arthritis is considered a major clinical component, but the problem is recent research has found that about 25% of these patients may not present with arthritis. (laughs) That's a problem. (laughs) Yeah, that's a big problem. So, I mean, that could lead them to 30 other diagnoses. Exactly. Oh my goodness. Exactly. So that is a big problem. And the other thing is there are some patients, stills is known to sometimes happen in some people, and then they go years without another flare. So they could not have arthritis appear for years. And in some cases, I mean, I don't know the exact percentage, but never, depending on if you get your disease under control. So it's highly systemic, highly organ involved, and the arthritis in some patients, extremely debilitating, similar oh. to rheumatoid arthritis, where you get the deformities. Yeah. So it's a complex disease. Mm-hmm. And so my question, because they talked about this triad so much, mm-hmm. remember, this is for doctor education. Mm-hmm. This isn't patient education. We're getting educated because we're going, but the ACR is directed to doctors and healthcare yeah, professionals. Yeah, almost specifically, Yeah. So Deb, you probably noticed as you were in the session with me mm-hmm. that they kept referring to the triad, the high fever, the yes. arthritis and the, and the rashes. So mm-hmm. I asked in the session on Sunday, mm-hmm. if the idea here is to essentially educate doctors, what do we do to make sure they understand that not all patients present with arthritis? And in turn, what do you tell doctors? So I just wanted to throw it out there because I didn't want the session to end right. without that coming up. Because <laughs> it right. it's not up. just, yeah, it's not just those three things. It's more than that. Right. Yeah. So if that was the takeaway, then we needed to make, so I was really excited. I heard him verbatim say my question and I sent a text to Deborah. Yes. that's my question. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> I was all excited. Yeah, but I mean, to actually get called out in uh, when you're having like hundreds of people that your question gets called out, that's huge. So it must have resonated with them, obviously. Yeah. And and Dr. Wells, who was the moderator, he called it out and he actually he answered it and then he put it off to the other two panelists. So everybody got to comment on it, which was even even nicer. And essentially what Dr. Wells said 
was, yes, that is true. And what I think doctors need to know is that you really need to look at those systemic. And they talk a lot about labs. We're not going to go into those right now. We are not medical doctors. Mm -hmm. But you can go to our website on arthritis.org backslash by stills. We have information on some of those lab works. And we have new patient-reported brochures on Stills disease that has that information as well. But I will say that the brochures are awesome. So, I mean, if you're interested more, please go yes. and look for them because Tiffany spent a lot of time working on that. Yeah, they were excellent. Yeah, well, they're all patient reported. Right. So we did focus groups specifically, and then we took the research from the patient voices specifically, and then we gave them the, to the doctors. We did not start with any preconceived notion of this is what you should have. We let them tell us what they have. Mm -hmm. And then we took all of those and went to the doctor. So they are pretty amazing. But there are some lab works that do come back in very particular. So he did mention that. He said, make sure that you're testing certain labs and high ferritin levels is is one thing. Mm -hmm. And make sure that you're really looking for fever. And I really enjoyed that he said this because we've talked about this. He encouraged people to keep journals to oh. to make sure that you are in parents too, yeah. parents of patients, document because the thing about stills and I, this is everyone. I, I know this happened to me and I don't have stills. When you show up to the doctor, your symptoms are fine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because it takes it's you like there. a week or two to get in. And by that time, the symptoms yeah. have dissipated. You can't show them the rash. Yes. You can't show them the swelling. Right. right. <laughs> it's exactly. Like, I, so I feel fine today, but. <laughs> so they made a point to say it's really important with all of these complex diseases to make sure that you're recording the dates things are happening, how often they're happening, like a literal chart to show. And the other thing about stills was that they said the rashes, which we did know, but this is great that they said it, the rashes may be so faint or they may, they they may not be visible. And so that's something that patients really should think about. And they also said that doctors should really focus on that high spiking fever, even though not every patient has the traditional stills. And that that's why we did the My Stills campaign in the first place. It was good that they brought it up. And they said that is probably the hardest part about stills is when the arthritis. That's actually was a really big point that I particularly thought was great to note. Mm-hmm. They said, it, I wish I had it quoted, stills becomes most difficult to diagnose in the absence of arthritis. <laughs> and so when we started our organization, the whole premise of why it started was auto plus arthritis. And we felt if you had the auto whatever those would be, fever, Mm -hmm. rash, whatever, plus arthritis, it would expedite diagnosis. And they essentially said that. Yeah. Which that putting those together is a key. But if you don't have that key, it's tough. So I'm glad they brought that up. It's yeah, it's got to be really hard to diagnose. Yeah, It's got to be super hard to diagnose. I mean, with that piece absent. I mean, you can play in your mind. And I mean, I'm sure doctors do that when they're looking at that patient in front of them, they've got to pay attention and take a look at exactly what that patient is saying and what are the symptoms. And if they're asking questions, because sometimes, I mean, I've been asked questions and I'm like, oh, oh yeah, I do get that too, but it hasn't stood out to me in the last couple of weeks. So again, Mm -hmm. it's those little puzzle pieces to put 
things together. It is. And I'm looking at the notes here from the Mm -hmm. sessions. One of the things they did in both of them is case studies. And Mm. they asked each doctor to bring a story of a real patient and they put Mm -hmm. the symptoms up and a little bit of their journey. And they did both a juvenile patient and and, and an adult. And they would talk about, oh, they had a sore throat for several weeks. They had these daily fevers that would spike in the evening and then they'd be fine. Like with the child, they said when it's harder for children to communicate, to note, hey, Mm. if my child is limping or, you know, something that's not normal, and then especially if it gets better the next day and then they're limping again (laughs) two days later, those kind of things are are signs. And that's not just for stills. That's for all of our diseases, you know, when identifying patterns. Yeah. Because now, didn't they say Dr. Wells made a specific comment about the little boy? And didn't he say that the fever would even reoccur in the morning at times too? So not only at night, but then it would like, and then he would feel great. And when the absence Mm -hmm. of the fever, and then there were days where the fever would show up in the morning too. And then he said that, you know, those days were shot for him and he was only three or four. Yeah. I remember that. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Well, and these stills disease as juvenile onset under the age of five is the peak. Okay. And it can happen at any age, but under the age of five is really the highest reported. So Okay, and that's a piece I didn't even pick up on or even I I didn't hear that. So man, that just jumps out because you think about what a five-year-old and their communication and I mean any kid with any sort of arthritis. I mean even a one-year-old, I mean you're looking at because they're not talking. They can't tell you how they're feeling. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Interesting. Absolutely. Patrice, you don't have Stills disease, but I think that's a that's a point that we're trying to make. Going with us to these conferences, we're learning so much. And this is relevant to Mm -hmm. many of our stories, regardless of what our diagnosis is. Yes. Right. Yes. And like I said, my first rheumatologist was wonderful. And I was diagnosed with polymyagla rheumatica, which now I have learned I don't have. But my last two rheumatologists they couldn't figure it out and they weren't willing to either spend the time or have me spend the money. Although I have triple coverage of healthcare. So I don't know how much it cost me out of pocket, but they should have asked me, what would you like to do? How do you want to solve this? And my rheumatologist, I've just recently started with a brand new one, but rheumatologist number three, when I saw her the last time and I said, what is the game plan here? I'm one of those people I have to have everything in perfect order. Well, (laughs) you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do understand. Yeah, I like to have a roadmap if you want to make that kind of analogy. And she she just looked at me and she says, oh, well, our 10 minutes are up. I'll see you uh, next year. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been blessed that I haven't had that piece. And I do know about wanting to know what's next because- my doctor is in the habit of if I'm not doing great, she'll start to like list out all of the pieces like, well, we could do this. We could do this. We could do this, which is shared mm-hmm. decision making, which is a decision between right. the patient and the doctor. And I love that. And right. again, I have fired many a rheumatologist because they just aren't for me. Yeah. I can't remember what podcast it was. And we had a co-host 
Carice Hill. And they stated that people want a diagnosis. They want a diagnosis. And it was like, it just, all these alarms went off in my head and it's like, yes, it was just so spot on. They were spot on exactly right. And as far as that goes, for sure. Yes. Yep. So So a couple of the other things that I'll just point out here Mm -hmm. quickly, and then we can, we can wrap up because I will, for those of us who want to learn more about these two in particular Mm -hmm. sessions, again, sign up at arthritisvoices.org and you can get more information and very specifics. You can ask questions. We can provide a lot more information specifically Mm -hmm. about these, but because this is a talk show and we're trying to bridge to many different people who fall under this umbrella, there's really just a couple other points that I wanted to bring up here. So the first thing is something, Deb, you and I heard about this, I want to say two years ago now, it you are. So I'm remembering this. This was the it was one of the symposiums that we just happened to come across. Yes. I remember this. And yep. One of the things that was really great is that was the I was very excited to see mm-hmm. stills because it has been getting a lot more traction. And that is a great thing. Anytime a disease yes. gets more awareness, that's great. Well, one of the things that we also saw in that presentation and in one with lupus was that most of these diseases, because it's our own immune system, is they're starting to to notice triggers in each side. And they brought that up in the episode. I don't know if it was the one that I saw with you, Deb, this weekend, or if it was because they're yeah, together, mixed together or the one I saw on Friday. But they specifically were talking about they also are looking at stills as far as a continuum between the innate mm. and the adaptive. So the, yeah, that the must have been the other one. The, you know, the, <laughs> the auto, the auto inflammatory and the autoimmune. We are seeing this over and over again. And the reason that that's important is because they're pointing out that once you have stills or you have this auto inflammatory innate, it happened. Don't necessarily maybe know why it happened, but because your inflammation is there and it is part of your immune system, if it's not under control, it can trigger the other side. And then an environmental trigger can come in. So then you start getting a more complex disease. We start getting comorbidities because that happens in all of our diseases if the inflammation is not under control. Correct. So they did mention that. And, and I wanted to just throw that out there because it's something for all of us with these diseases to really start thinking about. And I know we're going to go back. You both watched the boot camp, immunology boot camp. Mm-hmm. Yep. That mm-hmm. they had. Yeah. That ta- you know, that talks a little bit more about our immune systems. I think that's really important for patients to be educated about more, specifically if our diseases are bridging mm-hmm. <laughs> into, yeah. into triggering other parts of our inflammatory uh, systems. Yeah. And for us to take note yeah. and to start noticing these things and the differences and something that might be happening. Yeah, absolutely. And then another thing that I just wanted to point out that makes stills a little bit different is it is a diagnosis of exclusion. Mm-hmm. And that certainly complicates things. You have rheumatoid arthritis, which we will cover in a different review of going with us to ACR, but it has new guidelines mm-hmm. that that are coming out for treatments and what happens with stills disease is there are several different versions of guidelines wow. to reference to see if it's stills disease that in itself is a problem yeah. but you have to first eliminate an autoimmune disease first of all mm-hmm. so you've got to make sure it's not rheumatoid arthritis or mm-hmm. you know psoriatic arthritis or whatever it's, so that is a first 
and it's a matter of going backwards, sort of. So the goal in these presentations, which were aimed at educating doctors, the work we're doing as an organization, which is also educating doctors and patients and the public, because we always say everybody's the public before they're a patient. Absolutely. (laughs) Is that early detection. So hopefully as we get more education and awareness out there, I'm hoping if I had a wish, it would be that stills is no longer, well, stills would no longer, let's cut it there. But if I I can't have that, it would be that it is no longer a disease of exclusion, that we can have the right tools. We can, we can identify it. We have what we need to be able to diagnose it and treat it. So it's on its way. There's a lot, like we said, there's a lot of research. There's now approved treatments for it. So that's a start. It's a lot farther than we were a couple of years ago. But the last thing I wanted to mention was they used stories. I mean, they used stories. They were telling doctors, this is a real patient. This is how they presented. And that's how they were teaching. And Mm -hmm. we say that all the time. Mm -hmm. Talk. Let's talk to each other. That's how we connect. That's how we, we realize. And, and so I think, you know, we all have our stories to share and, In our online community, we even give everybody who enters, all of the patients, all of the parents of patients, we give them a choice. Do you want to sign up with your real name? Do you want to sign up with a non-identifying name? So that way, if you want to really tell your story and you're not comfortable, you don't have to worry Mm -hmm. about anybody seeing it. Or judging you or anything. Yeah. The judgment that can come with that or how, what your feelings are. So you're not judged for your feelings. Mm -hmm. And some people like me, open book. Yeah. So I think, yeah, you (laughs) and I are very much like that. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, we, we just talk right off the cuff of experiences we've had. Yeah. But there are a lot of people too. In addition to that, there are other reasons why somebody may, may not want to, to be identified. It could affect school. It could affect work. It could affect disability, all kinds of things. So I say that because it is just so important to share your story. When they put that up there as like case studies, it just was so clear you know, this person presented with X, Y, Z. And so in addition to encouraging people really share your story, we are still collecting stories for Stills disease. And since it is so rare, it is a lot harder to collect <laughs> than let's say rheumatoid arthritis oh, or, you know, yeah. one that is not a rare disease. Yeah. So if you are a person living with Stills, whether that's systemic juvenile idiopathic arthritis, adult onset, a parent with a child, please check out our aiarthritis.org backslash mystills campaign. There you'll be able to find links to our brand new brochures. We also have these little cards. They're educational cards that you fold up size of a wallet, put it in your pocket, and it has a little area called mystills. It's blank. And you can put your unique features of your disease, bring those to specialists, bring those to doctors, put a magnet on the refrigerator if you have to go to the hospital. So we have those. We also have a link to submit your story. And we're collecting those stories. We're going to collect them all the way through to September 2021, which is Gastil's Disease Awareness Day and continue this awareness campaign. And And then we also have been reaching out to the doctors who were presenting on these two presentations. And one of them has already emailed back and said that they would be more than happy to, to join us in our educational work. So we're getting there. Awesome. We're getting there. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. 
I love that. So as we're going to wrap up here, I want to turn it back over to Deb, who was at the session to see if there's anything I missed. And then also Patrice, if there's, you know, we're asking people to come and join these conversations. Go with us to ACR and learn about this. So first, let's ask Deb, did I miss anything? <laughs> or not do that you I can tell. It? Yeah, absolutely not. And I, I learn each time I am hearing about this disease. And yeah, I, I feel like it's this looming thing that, again, is so unknown that I'm like thrilled that it's coming to the point that it is. So yeah, absolutely. And then Patrice is this platform of us doing these types of conversations, starting the conversation. And then, mm -hmm. as I said, inside the online community, we will have more specific slides that we saw and more specific details. This is an overview. This is to start the conversation and to bridge it to all people who might be interested and be mm -hmm. able to, to have this. So could you just give us some maybe feedback or about going to the ACR and listening to, to specifically these types of reviews where it's not even your diagnosis. Like how important is it, do you think, to get involved in these conversations? I think it's extremely important for me to be involved in the conversations. Prior to becoming a volunteer with AI arthritis, I had never heard of stills. So I think it is my not my duty, but maybe more along as my educational awareness is to learn about other diseases that I would have never even heard about. And so I like to think it is an educational opportunity and I'm a lifelong learner. So it just, it just kind of uh, ropes back into that. But being at ACR, I loved it. It is scientific, but on the other hand, I have gained so much. I have a whole list of terms that uh, in probably within the next week or so, I'm going to go through Google and find out what they are. And I even texted both Deb and Tiffany yesterday. And I said, I think I need a medical dictionary. <laughs> and I think that would, <laughs> it would be not only helpful for at home, but I think when we go to these conferences and I can just pull it out of my tote bag. And when they're talking about this, instead of raising my hand mm -hmm. and saying, what was that? I can just, you know, thumb through it and, and figure out exactly what their, the, the definition of that term is. I, I will tell you, Patrice, that they're really not pocket size. <laughs> oh. Okay. Because oh, I mean, like, if you want to be toting that sucker along, my shoulder won't handle that at a conference. <laughs> yeah. And can you imagine the weight it's going to add to my checked in baggage too? <laughs> no, it is not wine and it is not weights in there. <laughs> But Absolutely. you understand the concept yeah. of that. But it was just my pleasure and my honor to be a part of it and to be included in it. And I really can't wait for the next, you know, even if we don't go to conferences physically next year, any one of these virtual conferences, I'm just mm -hmm. so looking forward to. Great. And I, again, I just, this is a new program for us. We're funding it strictly through donations. We do not have grants to be doing this. So we thought it's just so important to give all patients from around the world, the experience, the knowledge, and the beauty of it is we're not pretending to be scientists here or researchers. We have been, Deb and I in particular, have been to enough conferences where we can grasp the general knowledge of it. Yep. And we're reaching out to these researchers and asking them, 
uh, some of them. Yeah. Will you help us with layman terms? Will you help us to create education? And, and so far, I, I emailed, I think, five just this weekend, and four of them have already responded. So, you know, there's, there's so much opportunity to learn, mm-hmm. to even possibly create dialogue between us and these researchers. I mean, the, the possibilities are endless. Absolutely. So we really, really really encourage you if you are a person living with these diseases or the parent of a juvenile, please arthritisvoices.org. Put the HTTPS in front of it because it is internet. Fill out the application. Takes about 10 minutes and we would love to bring you on and specifically into the two groups as of today that really live in there, the two projects. And that's this talk show that you can get involved and talk to all of us behind the scenes and the go to conferences with us. So I think that's it. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. So Deb and Patrice, thank you not only for this episode, but also for going to ACR. Uh, I know that we all need a nap. Yep. uh, But... For the, for the rest of you, again, you can check out this episode of AI Arthritis Voices 360 at our website, AIarthritis.org backslash talk show. It used to say podcast. You can still get there that way, but we think it's more of a talk show because there's way more different versions of different media outlets that we're bringing this to rather than just audio, your typical podcast. Absolutely. And also, if you do subscribe to podcasts or talk shows, please give us a rating. We'd love to hear what you think. And then we always like to say, if you think we're doing a good job, please support us with programs like this. Go with us to conferences like this talk show. You can go to the donate button on our website and we'd appreciate a donation. We say, give us a high five, give us a high 10 or, you know, give us a high hundred. That, that worked too. So... <laughs> But other than that, we are signing out. We're going to take a nap (laughs) and we're going to see hopefully many of you inside our new online community. So thank you because we need you to join. We need you to pull up a seat because only together can we change the stories of tomorrow. AI Arthritis Voices 360 is produced by the International Foundation for Autoimmune and Auto-Inflammatory Arthritis. Find us on the web at www.aiarthritis.org. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and stay up to date on all the latest AI arthritis news and events. 